Thank you for joining our Transform 365 podcast, a discipleship and teaching ministry of SWCC. We pray this teaching helps you to grow in your journey with Christ. We have some great resources available for you on transform365.com webpage. Feel free to download discipleship materials, small group teaching, as well as peruse our training workshops. Also take time to visit www.swcc.org for videos, teaching, and more. We thank you for listening and your support, and we would love to hear from you. So use our contact page and drop us a line. Now for our podcast teaching. Uh, Today we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke 13 and John chapter 6. But I want to start with a little story. I heard a story about a man that I would like to say that he never lived. And, and you'll get what I'm saying in just a second. While he was at school, he would say, I'm dying to finish school to get a job. Have you ever used those words? Oh man, I'm dying to get a job. I'm dying to get started with my career. Some kids say, I'm dying to get out of school. But either way, when he graduated and got his job, he was dying to buy a house and get married. He bought a house and he did get married. Then he was saying, I'm dying to have kids. I want to have kids. I'm dying to have kids. He had kids and moved to his next I'm dying, which was I'm dying to buy a big boat. And then he died in the boat. No, I'm joking. Yeah, they buried him in it. Whenever you get a boat, and you can ask Papa Abe this, you rarely get on the water and and everything goes into fixing the boat constantly. He got a big boat and he said, I'm dying to earn enough money to retire. He made enough money to retire and then guess what happened? He died. (laughs) He died with his kids grown, never having a relationship with dad because he was always working. His wife was unhappy in a one-sided marriage. His boat only got used a handful of times because he never took the time to actually use it. His degree sat dusty on the shelf, and the house was an empty shell. He labored till he got what he thought would bring him joy, but he lived his life dying and never starting living in the life that was happening right in front of him. He was so busy dying, he never started living. And I pray that is not the narrative for any of you in here. Church, it's time to stop dying and to start living. I want you to say it for me, real quick, everybody together, stop dying, start living. All right, let's say it one more time. Stop dying. And start living. Okay, listen, I'm not Tony Robbins, okay? (laughs) That guy's got banana hands anyways. Have you seen the size of his hands? Oh my goodness. But it's true, isn't it? It's so true. We need to stop dying, right? It's like we go from one thing to the next. I can't wait till I get. I have to have. I'm dying too, right? Well, today we're going to take a look at how we can come alive in life, in the life that we have right now. It's time for 
the dying to stop in us, to have this fulfilled and full life that Jesus wants for every single one of us. In fact, he says it. He says, hey, listen, I came to give you life. And not just life, but life in its fullest. So let's take a moment and step back. Because really, what does it mean to live for believers? What does it mean for believers, those of you guys that are sitting right now and already have faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, those of you that have faith, you're a believer, what does it mean to have life in Him? Well, I think Paul gives us the best answer. So if you would take a look at Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. And looking at verses 21 and 22, I really think that Paul gives us the best definition of what life looks like for those that are believers. He says that living is all about who you live for. Living is all about the way you live and not the lifestyle. It's about what you do and not what you have. So let's, let's listen to Paul's words together. He says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And if you guys are, have your own Bible here, I want you to underline that. Fruitful labor. And then he concludes by saying, and I don't know which to choose. Paul said, listen, my life is looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face. How many of you guys just can't wait until that Maranatha happens and, and Jesus calls us home or he calls us into the clouds to meet him one day? Isn't that going to be an amazing moment? Amen? Amen. And with all the stuff that's happening, right? Israel at war, you know, the talks of more COVID cases and things like that, you know, uh, Ukraine and Russia fighting, Right? The, the setup of Gog and Magog, all of that gets us all crazy. I mean, I have talked in so much to people the last few weeks, the last few years, I would say, about end times. That's like the topic of everybody's conversation. Oh, you're a pastor? So what do you think about end times? <laughs> right? That's like everybody wants to know. But until that day... Until that day, my life will be about doing everything for Him and His glory. Amen? Amen. So church, if you're living, meaning right now you just took another breath and you exhaled, okay? Right now you're breathing. It's fruitful labor. Life is labor for Jesus, and I want my labor to count. I want that labor to reproduce. I want to multiply. I don't want you dying to have, 
and then never make a difference for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to, when you die, you have fruitful labor that follows you into heaven. Amen? Amen. I don't want you to die going into your grave having worked your entire life for things that do not last. I want the faith that lives in you to count to be huge for the kingdom of God. I want that little mustard seed that we've been talking about of faith. That little mustard seed of faith. I want that mustard seed in your life to plant and bush and grow and multiply for the kingdom of God. Listen to what Jesus can do with what you have in that tiny mustard seed of faith. Go back to, with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, verses 18 and 19. So he was saying, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed. It is like a mustard seed. Now, we've already done this before. Okay? Now, some of you guys may have gone home and, and pulled out all your pockets and made sure you have no pocket lint. But we're going to do this again just for the sake of it, okay? Everybody reach into your pocket and take out a little pocket lint. Oh, I don't have any in this pocket. Uh-oh. I may have just gotten myself into trouble. Oh, there we go. I have a tiny little piece. Okay, now ball it up. Get it nice and tight in between those fingers. <coughs> All right. That right there is the size of a mustard seed. That little piece of pocket lint that you have in between your thumb and your finger is what Jesus is talking about right now. It's what Jesus has been talking about when he says you could tell this mountain, get from here and move to there, where you could look at a mulberry tree and say uproot and go into the sea and nothing would be impossible for you with the tiniest amount of faith. Now listen what this tiny amount of faith can accomplish in this world today. It is like a mustard seed which a man took and threw into his own garden, and it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. What is the kingdom of God like? It's like the little faith in your life called a mustard seed. It's like that tiny little bit of belief that you hold on to in life every day that gets beaten and gets tossed back and forth. It's that little bit of hope that you hold on to every single day in the Lord that one day He's going to come back for you. It's that little bit of faith that keeps you every morning taking out your Bible and reading it and saying, you know what, I need to grow a little bit more in my relationship with the Lord. It's that little bit of faith that you come every Sunday here and you lift holy hands and just say, you know what, Lord, I know it's all about you. 
It's that little bit of faith that when you feel like you are faithless and that you've completely lost it, and you don't know where that little piece of faith went anymore, that you cry out, Abba, Father. Jesus says, that tiny seed about the size of a pocket lamp thrown into a garden and it roots and it grows and it becomes a magnificent tree. A mustard seed of faith can become a garden of life. A tiny little bit of faith in your life can become a garden of reproduction all around, can't it? This right here is a mustard tree. You see, you have been planted at your work. God has planted you in your home. And some of you guys are saying, well, maybe I need a new home. No. (laughs) He has placed you in the garden of your school. He has placed you in your community at this church. And it's not so you stay in your shell. It's not so you just stay inside of that seed. It's so you could be planted and grow and reproduce. It's so that you spread the news that you have about Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Jesus has planted you where you are in life to reach others for His kingdom and His divine glory. Why is it significant that the mustard seed of faith planted is becoming a tree to rest in? Did you notice that? Jesus says, hey listen, there's like this guy, he comes with this mustard seed. We know the mustard seed represents our faith. He takes that and he tosses the seeds in the garden and it begins to grow. And and what happens? As it grows, it becomes a tree. And these birds, they fly in and they nest. Why is that important? Where is this taking place that Jesus is teaching? Anyone? Oh, guys, don't be shy. Don't worry. There's no wrong answer. There's only dumb answers. (laughs) No, he's, he's in Israel, isn't he? Jesus is in Israel. He's teaching to Israelites. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, this tiny little seed tossed into the garden of this desert wasteland can grow and give shade and home, can give rest. It becomes shade in the desert. Oh, you know how important shade is in the desert? Do you know how important rest is in the desert? Think about that. Your life can become the resting place of people seeking refuge. Because of your closeness to God and your faith that's planted in Him. That's what the Bible is telling us here. You are the rest in this harsh land of life. 
And people will come and they'll flock to you and seek that refuge in the wasteland. So stop dying and start living where you're planted. Let your life be labor for His glory. You are shade of Christ's love in the aridness of Miami. You guys are the shade of Christ's love in the arid and dry land of Miami. And if you don't believe that, just drive down the street here in Westchester and you'll see so many different little statues of the Santeros outside, won't you? That's arid, dry land. But you can offer the peace and love and mercy of grace that shades and comforts It's estimated that you'll spend 60% of your adult life at work. 60%. A parent spends an average of five hours sleeping. Five hours. Playing and caring for their children every day, and about an hour um, and eight minutes a day eating and drinking. Okay? And I'm not going to tell you guys the percentages and, and numbers for going to the bathroom. That's depends if you have your phone in with you and things like that. You know, we know about that. Yeah, that's what we call it, multitasking, yeah. Or you spend about two hours a month average spent in church. That's, that's the other one, too. So if you go twice a week, most, I mean twice a month, most people do. You're going to spend about two hours a month worshiping the Lord. I say this because you cannot come in here expecting miracles for two hours a month if you're not planting in the other 70, uh, 744 hours that you have, okay? You're not at work just to make money and pay bills, just to let you know. That's not why the Lord has you in the position, in the job, in the workplace that you're at. It's not just because he's like, hey, guess what? This person needs to pay bills. I'm going to put them there. That is a part of what he's done there. That's the bonus of it. He has planted you there to provide shade, to provide grace, to provide love. You are not a parent just to extend your name. Jesus did not give you children just so your name wouldn't die with you. You are a parent because God's seed planted to grow and reach is in you. And He wants you to spread that. I want you to say, in your mind that you're here to reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is your purpose and goal in life. You are here to bring glory to God and every single time you reach somebody for the sake of Christ, every single time you are that mustard seed that grows and, and just shades and people come and flock to you, you guys have just become and accomplished the goal that Christ has done in your life.
In John chapter 6, 1 through 14, Jesus had to change the I'm dying thinking of people. Jesus decided that, you know what, everybody is always dying in life, dying to do, dying for this, dying for that. He had to get them thinking less of the physical and more of the spiritual. He had just done one of the biggest miracles that had taken place up until the point in his ministry of feeding 5,000 men, probably about 15 to 30,000 people altogether with five loaves of bread and two fish. Now remember, I say about 30,000 people in, in, in total because they only counted the, the head of the household when it says they counted the men. So there was probably fifteen to 30,000 people present with Jesus when he was doing the feeding. And it says that after they collected 12 extra baskets of leftovers. Now in times when food was hard to come by, in times when you had to work all day in order to have just enough food for you and and the family, people are getting excited, right? Because now they've found Jesus, and he's taken five loaves and two fish and turned it into feeding 30,000 people and extra. Found the jackpot, the food lottery, so people kept going and growing in number. People, Jesus is just getting flocked by people all around. Why? Because this guy, he can, he can teach. He can feed us. He can, he can heal people. This is amazing. Everything that I've been living for can be handled by him. That's what they're thinking in their mind. Everything that I'm striving for in life can be handled with this guy. It got to the point that Jesus and his disciples had to leave to the other side of the river in order to get some peace. Because people just start swarming him. There's so many people now coming around him. They're hearing about all the miracles. They're just bringing more and more people. More and more people want food. More and more people want healing. And that's where we pick off in John chapter 6. Verse 24 down to 40. Follow along with me if you will. John chapter 6, 24 to 40. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into small boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So Jesus, Jesus snuck away after feeding the people. He snuck away. So did his disciples, and now they're seeking him out. Okay? And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. Jesus fed them. They ate. They were filled and said, man, let's follow this guy. Because he can feed us at any time. They were following because of their physical needs. Like the guy in our story working just to gain on the physical side of life. And people do that all the time, don't they? 
They follow because of physical. They follow because, you know what, this guy tells me exactly what I want to hear. I can get, you know, just, he, he makes me feel emotionally good. And that, that's okay. You should feel emotionally good. You're an heir of the kingdom of God. But sometimes you need to get told when you're doing wrong, don't we? Yeah, we do. And so they're following Jesus because their physical needs were being met. I got a full belly. Let me keep on following this guy. My son's got a full belly. Let's keep following this guy. My wife, she's got a full belly. Let's keep following this guy. He was telling me how blessed I was because I'm poor. I want to follow this guy. He was saying how, how blessed are the people that cry. Let's follow this guy. These people followed Jesus because He provided supper and made life easier. But look at verse 27. Look at what Jesus answers to them in verse 27. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on Him the Father's God has set his seal. Jesus says, you're working just to eat. Your labor in life is spiritually empty. You're only half full when you labor just to eat. You're only half full if you go to work thinking, I'm going to work to get a paycheck. You're only doing half of your purpose in life. You're only fulfilling half of your purpose in life if you think that you are just here to raise your kids to get a good job, to provide for themselves, and to be trained to be good citizens. You're only doing half of the job if your life thinking is that. You're here to spiritually instill into them what God has said is eternal and lasting. Don't live your life dying to get ahead only to find that you missed out on a well-lived life. Don't live keeping up appearances and miss out on the purpose Jesus has set right before you. Your life is for the purpose of being a light and being salt to a tasteless world. And I like their reply. Look at it with me in verse 28. They answered to him, Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Their reply is, How do we do this, Jesus? <coughs> we want to do the spiritual side then too. If, if this is the physical side, then we want to do the spiritual side. How do we live each day not thinking about provision, but about God? How do we do that? In verse 29 and 30, Jesus answers them back and He says, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. That is the work of God. That's it. Jesus says, this is the work that you have to do to believe in me. 
You believe in me and you've accomplished the work that needed to be done and you're done. That's it. Nothing else. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign? Wait, didn't he just feed like 30,000 people? Didn't it say that they began to bring him their lame and their weak and the blind and things like that because he was healing all these people on the mountain and he got so tired that he sent his disciples away. He finished up healing people and when it got night, he snuck away. Isn't that what it says? And they're saying, what sign are you providing us for this? He... Let's finish, just, just for the sake of it. Then they say, what work do you perform? The people had been following along Jesus because of what they felt their needs were, food and healing. They thought that was their basic need at that moment, food and healing. And here Jesus stops them and says, if this is what you're living for, then you're wrong. If all you think life is about is food and healing, then you're wrong. If your life is just to work, eat, to live, to marry, do what you have to do to get by, then your labor is for nothing. Jesus' answer is an answer for us too. He starts with the, we want food, and his answer is, feast on me. They come to him and say, Jesus, we want whatever you're talking about. We think this is great. We want more food. He says, then feed on me. Verse 31 to 35, look at it with me. Our fathers, they ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. They're saying, hey, listen, God, God already did this once before. He did it with our, our people when they were leaving Egypt. He fed them. Their physical needs taken care of. You're here to, to fulfill our physical need. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. You see, the manna out of heaven was just a, a, a sign of what was to come, which is Jesus. They would eat this manna, and it would stay all day. It, 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 it wouldn't go bad. They would eat it, and they were filled. For those of you guys that like Lord of the Rings, it was like Limbus bread, right? Okay, some of you guys didn't get that. Just one bite could fill a whole human man. And he looks at the hobbits and he goes, I've eaten five, right? That's great. I love that scene. Anyways, going back. He's saying, you guys missed out on the purpose of that. It was God's provision of the bread that was sustaining Israel. I am the bread that gives life. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life 
to the world. That's true bread. That's life-sustaining bread. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus doesn't want just a little nibble. Jesus doesn't just want us to show up on Sundays and that's our fill. He doesn't want us to just show up on Wednesdays and that's our fill. You are planted in the place that you're at, at home, at work, at school, wherever you are, your community, even your church, to grow and spread and show grace and love and mercy to those that are around in this desert land. Amen? Amen. He wants you to take him in fully, not just a little nibble. He wants a whole bite. And the people didn't understand this. They're saying, Jesus, I don't understand. This is cannibalism. You're weird. And he's saying, you don't understand. I want you to believe in me. I want you to just lose yourself. You're so busy striving after everything else and what I want you to do is stop striving and come after me because that's the purpose that you're here for. A few years back, uh, Chip and I, my father-in-law and I, took the kids, the boys really, we took them um, fishing. And um, this, was, this was new because Chip and Linda had just moved to their area, and so Chip really didn't know the areas of fishing, so, so we went shore fishing. And how many of you guys have ever gone shore fishing? You just throw out a line into the waves, and you just watch it bob up and down, and then all of a sudden your pole will like bend over, and that's when you know you actually caught something. It's actually really boring. Shore fishing is extremely boring. I love just regular fishing. Shore fishing is horribly boring. And so we went out and we were having a really frustrating day. Nibbles are so annoying, aren't they? We had these fresh shrimp on, we were casting out, and we would see the pole start going like this. And we knew something was on it, so we'd reel it in, and half of the shrimp would be gone. So we'd cast back out, and boom, 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 boom. So we'd reel it in, right? We'd think that something's on there, you know? And now the rest of the shrimp is gone. We'd have to put another shrimp on. And the boys were just like, are we ever going to catch something, Dad? You know, they're getting so frustrated. I think Isaiah went and started building a castle because he was just like so done with this. Elijah is, he's the one that, just because he kind of entertains himself mentally. He was just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever, I'm cool with this, you know? He was, he was just sitting there. He was getting a little frustrated too, but more like sitting there just watching what was taking place. Nibble after nibble, shrimp after shrimp, we just kept on losing. It was a never-ending battle. We must have been in a school of like fish that had nothing but like, you know, a tiny little mouth. I don't know. Nibble after nibble after nibble after nibble. The, the fish wouldn't commit to biting that. 
but finally we cast out. Finally, right? We, we've been doing this. We're replacing all the shrimp. I think we were down to like the last three shrimp. We cast out and bam! The boys got all excited. We reeled in this beautiful bluefish. Oh, and it was delicious. <laughs> he looked at it and he said, oh man, I'm hungry. I haven't eaten all day. Let me just take a big old bite. Let me swallow it whole. I want a full meal. I don't want a nibble. I want the full taste. And Jesus wants to catch you, brothers and sisters, in himself. He wants you to be his. He wants you to taste and see that the Lord is good. He wants you to fully commit and not just toy around with little nibbles on Sunday, little nibbles here and there, little nibbles as you do your daily bread, little nibbles. No, he wants you to go and be planted where you're at and spread. He wants you to be hooked and not nibbling. He wants you tasting and committed to what He has for you. He wants you committed to the life that He has for you. And I'm not saying that, look, He he doesn't want you to seek your career and things like that, but what He wants you to do is while you're seeking your career, to be the shade in a drought of a land. He wants you to spread and be the light in this world, the salt in this. And after Jesus goes on and says, hey, listen, I want you to feast on me. I want you to to know me. And says in verses 38 and 39, you need to set aside your plans you're dying to do. And live by God's plan. Take a look with me. Verses 38 and 39. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. This is the will of Him who sent me, that of all that He has given me, that I lose nothing, but raise them up on the last day. He says, I have come to live by God's will and not my own. And God's will, His plan, is to reach the lost, show love to the unlovable, and forgiveness to all. And God has not deviated from that plan even today. God has not deviated from this plan of reaching the lost and showing them grace and mercy. He wants to use you at your work to pray for your coworkers. Start praying for them now. Start being the light for them now. Start reaching them now to train up your children because they're not yours. You're just a steward of them. You're guiding them in the direction they need to grow. To study with integrity. He wants you to, at your place of of schooling, to, to study with integrity. He wants you, at the place where you work, to work wholeheartedly. Not for the paycheck at the end of the week, but for the glory of God. God still wants you to be light in the darkness. To be light in this dark world, brothers and sisters. Listen, I realize that it's dark today and it seems like there are more shadows in life than anything else. There's rumors of war and there's wars, right? And we're told that's going to take place. But let me tell you, praise God in the shadows. Because that means the light is shining somewhere. 
to cast that shadow. The only way a shadow can be made is when there's a light that hits it. And brothers and sisters, maybe you're that light that's needed. In fact, I'll tell you, you are the light that's needed. Let me tell you, even when you walk through the valley of the shadow, you don't have to fear any evil. So live by his will and his plan as light in every moment. The last verse, verse 40, Jesus says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who believes beholds the Son, and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will, be ra- will raise him up on that last day. Life is about knowing Jesus and expecting his eternal reward and eternal life that he gives freely. It's about living for the last day, brothers and sisters. Live every moment as an opportunity for his kingdom, as an opportunity to plant in the garden that he has cast you in, to grow and be a beautiful, fruitful tree and multiply. I want everyone here, everyone here right now, stop what you're doing. If you're taking notes, stop just for a minute, minute. Not a mimic, a minute. A mimic is something else. I want everyone here to say this right here. I have a mustard seed. And I'm not afraid to use it. We have faith. That's it. We have faith. And we will spread it. It takes a mustard seed of labor to harvest a field of spiritual fruit. If I am to live, it's fruitful labor, Paul said. And I hope that's yours too. Church, start living and feast on Jesus by reading His Word, by growing, by praying, by going to church. Start living your life to the fullest. Don't just focus on the physical side. Focus on the spiritual side. Be a complete person. Live His plan for your life. If He's placed you somewhere right now, even if you don't like where you're you're placed, that's fine. You can move later on. But be the, the tree that needs to bring shade to the people that need shade in this dry land. Reach those around you. And last... Live today with the truth of eternity in mind. Thank you for joining the Transform 365 podcast, a ministry dedicated to helping you grow in relationship to Christ. If you want to know more, find us at transform365.com or on our church website, www.swcc.org, located in Miami, Florida. Until next time, remember, the only work in grace is to let grace work in you. God bless.